This is a Soulfire production. Getting slutty this week. So slutty. Slutting it up. Babe, major girl crush. Same. Very excited. Can it be a girl crush if it's from you? I mean, I'm moderately aroused. I think it's just a crush. Whatever. Were you moderately aroused with the two of us talking to each other and you were like, oh my God, what do I do with myself here? Yeah, I was highly aroused. I couldn't <laughs> even stand up for a while. <laughs> um, our Fully torqued, incredible Kelly. new friend Lorraine is on the show today and Connor found her for me slash us <laughs> in I a found her non for myself weird before way. I, before I knew you. Yeah. Were you following her for that long? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Well, anyways, thanks for following her because I love her so much. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. So Lorraine is widely known as Slutty Girl Problems on... Instagram, but she is such an incredibly wise, educated, thoughtful, open woman. And I really love the lack of judgment that she brings to a space that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. And she really gets the conversation going around loving yourself, your sexuality, and what it looks like to be in a non-conventional relationship. Yeah. Non-conventional relationships are so conventional. They're you know so saying? 1999. So <laughs> 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 yeah. And she, she, it's fun because we even talk about like the shadow side essentially of going into some non-traditional realms mm-hmm. and how that can go really poorly and how it usually does when you get started, because of course, like you just, we're humans. <laughs> We are, unfortunately. <laughs> we are most of the time human. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we love- Unless you're a starseed, then you have alien consciousness, and that's a different thing. I'm a starseed. Yeah, okay. We absolutely love this conversation. We get uh, some great insight from her on our relationship and how things have gone for us and where some of my fears still lie, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, she calls you out. Yeah, she did a little bit. It was bit. funny. I was like, ooh, Kelly's getting roasted <laughs> by slutty girl problems. Oh my God. But then, um, I was, then I was even more fully torqued. Well, I, was at, I was at 100%, 110% torque at that point. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad this show gets you aroused, Con. <laughs> what it's here for. Before we get into this incredible conversation with Lorray, we did want to tell you about our dear friend, Dr. Kat Meyer, who has a couple podcasts that fit in perfectly with today's conversation. So she has two shows. One is Eat, Play, Sex, and the other is Erotically Wasted. And Eat, Play, Sex, uh, she's a sex educator in so many yeah. ways and really helps people understand, again, non-conventional relationships, what it likes to be erotic and connected to your body. And there's a lot of incredible conversations and education there uh, and conversations with other people in this space. But then Erotically Wasted is a very sexy masturbation podcast. Is That's really? pretty much how I want to describe it. <laughs> it's like guided self-pleasure. I should listen to it. Cat in her sexiest voice. You've heard it before. Have I? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I knew I it was awesome it. and I know what it's about, but yeah. I haven't like listened to it while I was in my self-pleasure practice. Oh. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. 
Oh, con. Um, oh, well, man. I'm definitely getting off to Kat's voice. She is such a babe. She is so beautiful and open and sensual. And I love the way she holds space for other women to really step into that for themselves. So make sure you head to the show notes, check out Dr. Kat Meyer in Eat, Play, Sex, and Erotically Wasted, and uh, have yourself a little fun. I wonder if more people have masturbated to her podcast or my podcast. Probably hers. Hers is clearly set up for that. Yours <sighs> is just a hot, buttery voice talking about yeah. Bernie Sanders. I don't know. I mean, how, what is more sexy than that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If I have Bernie Sanders in my mind, I'm not going to be able to come. I mean, that's what I do on my podcast. I'm like, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Middle class wages have stayed stagnant while the top 3% have increased their wealth by seven times since the 1970s. I'm so moist. <laughs> Get that wet ass pussy right now. Wet ass pussy. Wap. Got that wap. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get to this conversation with Lorray before we scare all of you to never listen to this again. Lorraine, thank you so much for being on the show. We love your work and we're just really excited to chat with you. I'm so excited to be here. I love everything that you're doing. Thanks for having us. So I was thinking about where I wanted to start this conversation because there's so many things I want to ask you. But I think what came to me this morning was really what does slutty mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. I think that so often in our culture, it's such a wide term that's used to degrade women. Even if you're not sexual, if you're just wearing a certain thing or have your makeup a certain way or flirting a certain way. So to me, it's really about reclaiming that as an empowered person that feels confident and comfortable in their sexuality, whatever that means to them. It doesn't matter how many partners you have, what you're doing with those partners. It's just feeling really vibrant and owning that space for yourself. Mm. Did you have like shame, childhood shame or disconnection sexually that led you on this path of empowerment for women in that space? Definitely. Yeah. I grew up kind of believing that virginity in particular was like, um, you know, you're the chewed up piece of gum as soon as you have sex. And the more that you have sex, the more people chew you up. And it was just such a shaming refrain to have grown up with that and heard that over and over um, and starting to rewrite those messages that, you know, if you think about any other skill that we do as humans, like a, a tennis player, it's like the more that you have sex and the more that you play tennis, the better you get. <laughs> And there's really nothing bad about practicing and exploring and learning your body. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a process though. Cause those messages are like roots that just run so deep and they're all over in our culture. The shoot up piece of gum one was one that I got as well. I remember the guy came to our junior high, like basketball court and we all had everybody, the whole thing was in there. And I, I was, yeah. one thing that trips me out is like, there was a lot of teachers that are probably about my age now or younger and you got to think they were just rolling their eyes at this shit, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, do you, do you Absolutely. think you're doing us a favor by having this weirdo and telling us that like we're pieces of gum? And that this yeah, not and scientifically, even... it doesn't even make sense um, because people that are given abstinence-only sex education um, have higher rates of STIs and teen pregnancy. It's yeah. doing our youth a huge disservice. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, science is the devil. So <laughs> <laughs> science is, is from the beast himself. Yeah, actually, planted, actually, the devil planted dinosaur bones on the on on Earth. People believe that. Oh wow! It was all a trick. It's all a ruse. We got to test our faith. Exactly. Connor is deep into uh, conspiracy theories, and apparently, what was it? The demon? What's the? Oh yeah, if you're you'll ha love having this. having uh, this woman came out saying that hydroxychloroquine was a cure for uh, COVID, which you don't cure a virus. Like that's not how that works. But um, 
was saying that if you have like most problems in your life are, are, are uh, created by demon husbands and demon wives. So if you have, if you, uh, well, first off, if you're a woman who wears pants and not uh, skirts, you're, you know, that's a, that's demonic in some way. Um, if you have a sex dream that you're having sex with a demon, if you have a baby in a dream, if you go on a date in a dream, those are all the ways that, um, Nephilim or what they're called, they're offspring of fallen angels with the daughters of God before the flood. Uh, that's how they get into your life and essentially ruin things, cause miscarriages, cysts, um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so Honestly, it's, it's demon demons. sex sounds pretty fantastic. That's what I was I'm pretty thinking. Pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely seen some hentai that uh, touches on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Be careful so good. out there; it's a wild world, right? So, I think for me, as I have opened up more sexually, I've talked a lot about this on this show too. Is the every time I would take a step outside the box or do something that was different or something new for me, I would hear these voices in my head telling me I was disgusting and you're a failure and your parents are going to be disappointed in you. And so it would send me in the spiral. I mean, Connor obviously was there to witness it and I would just be crying and I would just feel taken over by shame and I didn't know how to let it go. And it's taken, you know, over a year of work and somatic therapy and different people in this space to realize that I'm not gross and I didn't fail and that what I desire that I'm into is okay. So knowing what you've been through, how did you navigate that process? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's such a huge piece of my work because it really is lifelong work. And even once you kind of get some of the big things out of the way, all of these little nuances even start to pop up. Um, so it started out with kind of the big concepts in my life that sex was wrong or dirty to begin with, that kink was wrong or dirty, poly. And then as I've kind of peeled away those layers, um, getting more nuanced, but uh, as I'm sure you know, it's the process of recognizing that you have these thoughts in the first place, kind of sussing out where they came from, whether it's cultural messaging or something from our families or religion or upbringing, and then just being super mindful, having a mindfulness practice, a journaling practice, all of that has helped me to recognize it when it comes up and choose a different story. And people think that that's kind of a crazy concept that we literally get to choose our own thoughts and beliefs. And, you know, the first dozen times you do it, you're like, this isn't working. This doesn't make sense. Like I'm just lying to myself. And then you're like, no, but it really is my intuitive sense of how I am, how the world should be and creating the reality that we want in our lives. It's funny when you make big changes in your life, right? Sexually or otherwise, you have this moment of, oh yeah, like I, I figured that out and that's done with now. Cool. And then you start to see all the little, like the nuance, like you're saying, like the little ways that it's still a part of your behavioral system and how you're patterned to behave a certain way. I mean, I remember I, I kind of left Christianity behind at like 20 ish years old. Right. I was like, when I was, I made, finally made the claim of like, you know what? I'm just done with this. Like, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian anymore. And then I was probably like 26, 27. And I had, I was sleeping with this person for a little while, like a casual thing. And she was like, you know, right after we finished, she's like, you put your boxers on or your shorts on like right away. And I was like, really? And then I didn't even think I was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm like ashamed to be naked which is weird. Wow. Kelly can testify that that's no longer the case, but it was this little, I mean, it was just a little thing. And I'm like, man, if I've hung, if I've hung onto that without realizing it, how many other little things are there? So it started getting me into the investigative mind of, of seeing the little, like the, just the little things that are still just holding on for some reason, because they were such an ingrained part of my behavior system for so long. 
Yeah, absolutely. For me, a big thing that comes up too is just like fear when I'm going into a hookup or if I'm on a dating app and it's like, I feel like I've gotten past my own stigmas, but there's still that nervousness when you go to to meet up with somebody or hook up. And it's not just the, the kind of, unfortunately, the normal fears of, you know, safety, but um, it's so wrapped up that like we have to worry about safety and emotional safety and comfort and boundaries and even navigating those conversations. And there are real fears there, but so much much of it, I think, comes from the sex negativity. Because if we have the tools and we have sex positivity, then the fear could be reduced, but one or the other, and it gets spiked up. I'm curious too, for me, uh, there's a lot of things that I do now that I didn't know either existed or that I was allowed to do. And that was kind of a mind fuck. Like even I remember in my past relationship, putting on lingerie and trying to like seduce my boyfriend. I didn't know I was really allowed to do that and I thought it was bad and it wasn't something that I had never really done. And I have talked to so many women and they have similar experiences in different ways, whatever their thing is. And it's really hard because we live like in this bubble when we're young and we only know what we know. And then all of a sudden we hear, you know, we follow you on Instagram and we see you post something and I'm like, wait, that exists. That's a thing. And it's really hard because there's a whole world out there that we're just not aware of. And we don't realize that we're ashamed to be naked or that we don't know we can put on lingerie and feel sexy for ourselves or our partner. Do, do you feel like a lot of your community goes through that? Oh, definitely. I think um, some big things that come up as you're saying that are how much are we performative for our partners versus actually authentically expressing ourselves. That's a big thing that I've had to work through of, you know, when am I playing the sex kitten to please someone else? Or when do I actually feel like a sex kitten? And maybe when I feel like a sex kitten is fresh out of the shower with no makeup and a towel on, not all made up and like ready to seduce, I might feel most seductive in the morning with like messy bedhead um, and embracing all of those nuances of what's our authentic desire and expression. I think that's a really good point. And it's, it's funny because there is performative behavior on both sides. Right. And when it comes to this relationships in any, in any way, whether it's casual, sexual or romantic and, and has some longevity to it, performance behavior attracts the kind of partners you don't want to be with probably. I mean, that's, Performative behavior is the foundation of codependent relationships, of, of narcissistic relationships, of just toxic relationships in general. It's like you pretend to be a certain way because you still want someone else to like the way you are. And at a certain point, you've got to kind of return to yourself and that becomes a curveball to that other person, to yourself. It becomes, it's just like this huge struggle. Guys, do, Mark Manson talks about this in his book, uh, Models. This is like early dating book. And he, uh, he talks about performance behavior and how it, it, you may get laid. Like you might get laid performing as a man, but it's not going to be fulfilling. It, that person's not even going to know who you really are. You're not going to feel seen or understood. Like th- there's so much that, that happens in the dating and sexual world where it's like, oh, I've got to be this certain way. And there's, I mean, I had, I was wrapped up in so many insecurities and not that I was really, I, my personality is kind of like over the top and ridiculous. So I, I get a little bit of freedom there as far as, as dating goes and and saying what I think and feel, but as far as sexually, like I was really anxious about it for a long time, like into my late twenties. And then it, the, the, the res- results of that were, were not positive. It was like the anxiety helped 0%. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And it actually helps to reinforce shame too, when we're not showing up as ourselves, because we're telling ourselves that who we are authentically isn't good enough or won't be liked and received. And then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy and loop because we're attracting partners that wouldn't like our authentic self because they're attracted to the inauthentic version. It's, it's a terrible cycle to be caught in. Mm. How do you find your authentic expression when it comes to sex? Gosh, that's such a good question. I think so much exploration and it's been a process to unravel. A big piece for me was um, coming to understand that I was non-monogamous and uh, figuring out what that even means for me, what that looks like, because there's no, well, there are books about it, but it's not like in the mainstream dialogue that this is even a relationship style that works. Um, And had I not explored that, I might've gone through life continuing to try to be monogamous and being like, this doesn't work for me. And I don't know why, maybe I'm just a bad person or not attracted to my partner, or maybe I'm incapable of, you know, love and commitment when really it just wasn't a relationship model that worked for me and getting to explore those alternatives, um, allowed me to actually realize that there's another choice. What does non-monogamy look like for you? Yeah. So right now I'm solo poly. So, um, I know that's weird in, you know, the days of quarantine, but the concept of that is being single, but having multiple partners or maybe even being unpartnered, um, that you can have caring, affectionate relationships with, without having to define it within the realms of commitment. Um, I find that my partnerships can be very emotionally and mentally fulfilling and even have elements of commitment without needing monogamy or needing to say like, we're going to be together forever. It's like, this works for a time and a place and a purpose in my life. We're enjoying each other and that's totally okay. Uh, In the past, I've had um, two long-term committed partners at the same time and really enjoyed that structure as well. But at this point in my life, probably way too much to navigate and try to, you know, appease everyone in in a unit. But even with solo poly, it's navigating people's boundaries and um, now like risk level and being really transparent about um, who you're seeing and when and uh, that everyone is still comfortable. I think one of the things that trips people up, like you said, this isn't in the mainstream. And so Connor and I define our relationship as monogamish. And so we invite people in, but we're together for that. I've been alone with a few women on my own, but a few. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm lying to him. Like, is there and a it's bonus just coming in there out that I on the one? show. I was like, I thought it was two, just two people that you knew about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's two. That's a couple. Not a few. Oh, a few. Okay. Sorry. A couple. (laughs) My God. Um, I have a side relationship that you don't know about. He has a family in Nebraska that apparently I just found out about. So, you know, whatever. Um, But I think it's hard for people to understand like what you just said. What does that even mean? And I think for me, even in our relationship, the idea of having multiple long-term partners, how do you even wrap your head around that? And maybe you can come from the perspective of when you first started and it was such a new experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I kind of fell into it. I had been with a long-term partner for about four or five years and met someone that was actually someone from my past, like not a partner, but someone that I had known growing up, um, had moved back into the area. We got drinks, we hit it off. And I was like, there is a spark and a chemistry here that, you know, 
I want to explore and I want to deepen. And my partner at the time and I um, had been open to like making out with other people, hooking up at bars. We hadn't brought anybody home, but we were kind of like in this ethos of free love. Like, I don't want to control you or own you. Um, drugs helped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drugs definitely helped. Some of those boundaries. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I brought it to him and said, I just have this connection that I want to explore. And he was like, go on another date and see what happens. But you know, don't, don't do anything without running it by me first. So, you know, we're both new to this and want to just kind of take it slow. Um, and each step of the way, we just had those conversations and check-ins where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm really developing this connection. And a lot of it was affirming my existing partner's um, fears and insecurities around, does this mean that you love me any less or that things are going to change? Um, but as we kind of got into it, he was like, are you going on a date with this week? Because I really want to play video games. Like, get out oh of the house. <laughs> like, go do something. So it ended up working because we were able to embrace our individual freedom in a way that we hadn't expected. Yeah. That I get like nauseous every time I talk about this. It makes me so uncomfortable still. That's like a good thing though, that you recognize it and you're like, this might be like a hard boundary for me or like a point to lean into. And like, if you don't lean into it, that's totally fine too. I think people think that because this exists, whether it's kink or non-monogamy, that they have to, or that it's somehow the enlightened way. And it's not the enlightened way. It's just the right choice for some people. Yeah. yeah. I love Sorry, that you said, ahead. I love that you said that because I've been around like my introduction to non-monogamy, like a lot of people was one feeling like it's very similar to you. Like I'm, I'm obviously I'm really bad at this whole like dating thing. Things end up falling flat no matter how much I care about the person. And I had really amazing girlfriends. It just never could like something was always missing. And then I read sex at dawn by Chris Ryan and became fascinated. And like, of course, Chris Ryan is kind of like a kooky dude. And he, I think he like gets off on being like weird and countercultural, but it was it, at the time it was like, okay, this made me feel not broken. Right. So that was yeah. a good step in the right direction. But then became really involved with a community that was, there was a lot of money and a lot of like sex and drugs and all kinds of crazy shit. And I, I went from being like shamed or feeling ashamed of myself for being too sexual to then feeling shame for not being sexual enough. And it's like, Hey, I need my friend to uh, fuck your girlfriend so I can feel cool. Um, are you cool with that? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like there was there, there, we, I think a lot of times we get caught in this, like the enlightened way, right? Like, Oh, if you're not, if you're not, at least monogamish, then you're not enlightened or you're not woke or whatever yeah. the fuck. And it ends up being this like superiority complex. And there's a lot of toxicity in that as well, where there's oh, totally. places to like dip your toe in the water. But I've also seen power dynamics get really out of control in open relationships. And if somebody holds all the cards in a relationship, like kind of manipulating someone else to be in an open relationship, even if they don't want to. And like, honestly watching that stuff and I've watched it several times from the outside in uh, happen is really sad. Cause there's just no, yeah. it's like such a, such a codependent narcissistic, like dynamic that is and you're watching people you care about, like just completely get torn apart by something that they don't really want to do. It's not authentic for them, but they've been sold the idea that it's like the most enlightened way to be. And we sit here and talk about like how great it is, of course, cause it's awesome, even though it is hard and we bring up the hard stuff, but it's a slippery slope and can get really out of control. And I don't think that gets brought up enough. 
Yeah. I think like if you have trouble with communication skills or power structures, or you're a a narcissistic abusive person, that's going to come out whether you're abusive in a monogamous relationship or whether you're being abusive in a poly relationship. Um, And neither community is immune to those types of issues. And I think it's a super valid critique because people think that if you're kinky or poly or open, that you're sex positive. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. You can still be really shaming of other kinks or people that are not kinky. I think that there's so much um, shaming of quote unquote vanilla people. And it's like, as long as those vanilla people aren't, you know, yucking somebody else's yum, that's cool that they're vanilla. Like they're allowed to have their preferences as well. Um, And being actually sex positive is embracing all of those pieces and doing your own work so that you're not a toxic person. I haven't always been a good partner and being able to self-reflect and see where I fucked up and, uh, you know, could be better is part of the work and our work to do. You don't just get a pass because you're kinky or poly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing you can do when you hide behind that, that like spiritual or enlightened facade is you can justify a lot of really fucked up behaviors. And I caught myself doing that and I wouldn't call myself like solo poly. I was more just like casually dating, but very honestly, very, probably very similar to how you were going about it before Kelly and I met. And I found that like, and this happens a lot and I'm I'm curious if it happens for you too, but women would say what I wanted to hear because I was being very transparent. Right. And they would tell me whatever they, they needed to needed to say for this to work out. I'm totally into that. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's great. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> fantastic. And then the, like it would, it would just turn into a dumpster fire. Right. Because yeah. I, then it would, things would progress and whatever. And then, and then it was like, I wasn't actually listening to that person. I was just hearing what I wanted to hear them say. And that's, it, yeah. I think if you're going to take the lead in some kind of, uh, non-monogamy, if you're in that, you have to be very respectful of the person and really open yourself up to hearing like what they're actually saying, not just what you want to hear, because it can be Absolutely. very self-confirming. Yeah. And that was a big mistake I made in my first, um, like true poly relationship as well. Um, the new partner that I started dating was like, I'm totally cool with this. Everything's great. And then as soon as they started to develop feelings and fall in love, all of a sudden it wasn't cool. I'm like, we're already here. Like there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, cause I already have another partner and that's not going to change. And it was really tricky to navigate. Um, and I think in the future, I would be much more mindful to recognize some of those unconscious signs because sometimes people themselves think that they're okay with it. And then all of a sudden they're not. And, um, maybe if you're open to being monogamous and exploring that, uh, that, would work for you. But if you know firmly that that's not the right choice for you, or if you have another partner, you're just stuck in, in that situation. Yeah. I was in a situation very similar to that where I was, I had like gone out with someone who was in an open relationship that was supposed to be like super casual type of thing. And then it was very quick. I realized like it, this is going to become a competition for me soon. And I just need to like vacate this whole situation. Like it didn't go very far at all because I, it wasn't fun and it wasn't something I wanted to do, but I was like, I just, this is, this is going to go a direction that where no one wins. And it's just like, there's just, it was just going to be too damaging. Right. And it was, I had to just walk away from that, which takes time to even have the ability to catch yourself in that loop and go like, okay. Yeah. And I was like, Nope, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to wreck someone's relationship. I'm not trying to, and I'm not also not trying to be like, that guy who is the, is the other guy who wants to be the main guy who then gets rejected. Like there was no winning in there for me. So I was like, I'm out, I'm done with this. Uh, but it takes, yeah, it took time of, of, of being around it and seeing, of course, seeing it go wrong a bunch of times as uh, it, with other people gave me a lot of context on what I didn't want to happen. Kelly, what would I do if I was a lady and I needed to know my truth? <laughs> 
I'm not a lady and I don't need to know my truth. But if I was you in would, the if I was in the truth seeking business, where would I go? To me. To you? You'd probably want to join my program called Her Truth. Damn. Do you know what we're doing Sounds in there? Good. I set up this program because I get so many questions about what my process has been like to just finding myself and doing what I like to call coming home and figuring out what is meant for me and what I want to be doing and how I want to operate. And I'm so grateful to be able to share it in a way that I feel you can step-by-step go through this process for yourself. And this, this program is really for women who are looking to break free of these patterns and beliefs that they have created their entire lives that have been given to them from their parents and really rise up and get clear on who they are and where they're going and what's important to them and just allow the noise to fall away. So I created an incredible journal that is guided. So it has prompts already for you based on the audio lessons that you get every month, as well as the guided self-pleasure where I bring in my sexy voice. Not everyone's just masturbating to you. Okay. Why can't you let me do some of the guided self-pleasures? Because it'd be so, it'd be so fun. Maybe I'll do an additional (laughs) one led by Connor. The bonus self-pleasure. Yeah. Um, but I love this. We have, We have over 30 women in uh, the program right now, and it's just been really beautiful to watch everyone's transformation and growth and hear their feedback of being able to journal for the first time and really getting honest. Radical honesty is a huge part of this. And if you're ready to step into that, this is definitely for you. So if you go to kellytenant.com slash her dash truth, you can sign up for the program, do it at your own pace and... That's about it. I'm excited to support everyone in that process. I'm excited for you to support everyone in that process. Well, thank you, Connor. Why don't you tell everyone about our incredible CBD sponsor? <sighs> you mean Ned? Ned, Ned CBD. Because because they, they infuse their CBD with positive affirmations of my neural beats, and because they don't put anything synthetic in their CBD, it is the best. Is the best you're going to get. That is right. It tastes like CBD because that's what CBD should taste like. I and mean, think like about this. Random think vanilla about this. Speaking, speaking speaking of self pleasure, if you're like you know, here's the thing. Pussies are supposed to taste like pussies. And if a pussy doesn't taste like a pussy, it's something's wrong. Okay. Same thing with CBD. Same philosophy applies. If CBD should taste like CBD and that's what they do. They keep it super pure, super clean. And the quality is unparalleled in the CBD business. So I love it. I love it for anxiety. I love it to get some sleep whenever I'm having a little bit of a stress. I mean, I'm so balls deep in politics right now that like it stresses me out. makes me kind of depressed and a little bit anxious because it's just like, oh my God, everything's broken and uh, there's lizard people and it just freaks me out. Is that why you've been pacing around the house? That's exactly why. So I get, get a little bit of that Ned and it helps me relax and get myself back to center. <sighs> and then I can do my self-pleasure practice and then I'm good to go. <laughs> Listening to my audio recording. Uh, <laughs> I just listen to you when you're on calls. The golden light enters your penis. <laughs> Let it flow. <laughs> Let it flow. Um, so if you guys want to try out Ned and stop pacing around your house like Connor, you can go to helloned.com slash babe and get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Or you can sign up for their subscription service and you'll get 20% off. What the fuck? That's amazing. I mean, they're even they're even solving the stress problem and having to reorder Ned. You can just subscribe and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Exactly. So go bada to helloned.com slash babe and get your discount now. I want to talk about the ownership piece because this is something that came up for me. I don't know if you follow Shrimp Teeth. 
Yeah. Do you follow Sam? Okay. So I love Sam. Um, I've been following you guys for a similar amount of time and both of you have really helped me and opened my eyes to, to different things in this space. Um, but I actually had a call with Sam, like a peer counseling call that I haven't even told you about this really yet. Um, I do that I on learned, the show. I learned so much on the show about Kelly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, by the way, here's the thing. Um, but I was talking to Sam and I was talking through my fears and uh, the ownership piece came up. And I, f- I was telling her that I feel like I'm being really unfair because I have no rules. Connor has basically said, you have no boundaries when it comes to, I, I don't hook up with any men, but when it comes to being with women, if I wanted to go do that, he jokes, but I think he's serious about me having a girlfriend and he's totally open to that and thinks it's great and wants me to explore and feel good. Yeah. I'm kind of serious about that. Yeah, no, but when it, <laughs> when it comes for me, I have like all these rules and boundaries and it's taken me a long time to even get to the point where we are now, but I still, um, a hard boundary for me is he can't penetrate anyone. And so I'm talking to Sam about all of this and the idea of ownership comes up. Because as we were talking through it, I realized I I still have like this sense of ownership, like you're mine and I dictate what you do. And so what she helped me see is that as I I work through this, it's about releasing that idea of ownership and allowing both of us to be sovereign and individual and make our own decisions, um, but communicate our needs and our desires. And so he can make his own decision of I'm going to put my dick inside this girl or not knowing what's important to me, but that I'm not deciding for him. And I think that's honestly one of the hardest things for me because when it comes to these relationships, there's respect and boundaries and all of that. Um, and I don't want to get my feelings hurt watching him do something that is tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really valid point and a really great reframe there. For me, that brings up, um, I had this sense when I was in monogamy that my partner could leave at any time. Like if they met someone else, they would fall out of love with me and then they would just go with that person. And then now being in non-monogamy, it's like, okay, they could meet someone else, really like them and still be with me. And that's okay. And it's actually given me more of a sense of security because I know, okay, you can have sex with this other person. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the fundamentals of our relationship. Um, whereas like if, if it was in a monogamous relationship, uh, it, it would change everything. Um, and yeah, that, that sense of ownership and your partner, like choosing to honor your boundary or choosing to do even not a boundary, but something that would make you more comfortable is a, an act of choice that they're making rather than a rule that they have to follow, which could then lead to resentment and feeling disconnected, that it's actually something that brings you closer together. Mm. I like that because I feel like to the more I step back and release the control and this like tight grip holding on for dear life to him, the better our relationship is. And it's not that he wants to leave. It's that he feels free in our relationship and he can comment about another girl or invite someone over to be with us. And he doesn't feel like he's going to experience the wrath of psycho Kelly. Um, it's just like, Oh cool. I can do this thing and I feel free and I don't feel confined because I think for both of us, freedom is a core value. And we talked about that early on in our relationship. And so it's, how can we create that sense of freedom and play within the relationship, knowing that we're respecting each other. I am not to where you are though, where I can let go of the idea of he might meet someone and leave me like in my right mind, I can understand and feel that, but there's always that fear of 
but what if, you know? Yeah. I wonder if the more that you let go and continue to surrender, if the because I, I feel like the, the grips that are in there mm-hmm. and wanting to hold on so tight. And I wonder if like the more that you loosen up, you're like, oh, he can't, he can go though. And that's okay too. And like, I'd be okay too. And like, you know what? He's choosing to come back. There's something about that choosing and like having the freedom and still actively choosing every day that I, I just love so much, which, um, you know, it's strange to me when I think about the idea of marriage that like this person is making an in paper contract to be with you and it has a ton of legal benefits and you know great great benefits in our society but I would almost rather someone actively wake up and say I could leave you if I want and I don't want to rather than now leaving you would mean a a year of paperwork and money with a lawyer and feeling trapped and entangled and a lot of times with Polly just knowing that I can do something and have that freedom, even if I never act on it is the beauty in and of itself. Cause it's a choice every day. Yeah. I like that a lot. And one, one thing that and I'm just going to kind of call Kelly out here a little bit is fun, <laughs> but it's funny whenever Kelly's been really like anxious about certain things. And it seems like the things that you're most anxious about, you end up liking, and it's almost like you're scared oh, to like sure. it. Oh, it's like you're scared sure. to like it because then it becomes a thing. And then that, what does that say about you? Or does that mean you're broken? Does that mean you're gross? Which mm-hmm. you kind of circle around sometimes. And that came up a lot. I feel in somatic therapy when we did that, which was such a cool process. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. So whenever she brings up something that's she like, I'm, I haven't even brought it up. It's just like, I'm just sitting on the couch, like watching Rick and Morty and Kelly's like, I'm really nervous about you doing this. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, does that mean that it turns you on? And you're just being, you're just projecting that onto me because I'm, I'm like on Instagram right now. I don't know what, what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel that so much too. Um, especially being sexual on the internet. Like, what does it mean? Like doing something like I started an OnlyFans in quarantine, which I love. It makes me so happy. Like I'm overjoyed about it. I love showing up in that way, but because there's such a social stigma, it's like, well, what does it mean that I love showing my body in this way? Like it makes me quote unquote, more of a whore and more of a slut and like, you know, more of something that society looks down upon and me loving that gets certain connotations and stigma around me, but it's like, okay, but it's me. I love it. And it's hot and sexy and like, it's authentic and like, that's okay. And it's really like, well, the culture is wrong. The culture that's saying that I should feel ashamed or stigmatized or somehow bad or gross. That's the problem, not the act itself. Yeah. OnlyFans is funny. We had a, we had a friend recently. I'll actually shout her out on this podcast. Savvy. She she would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But she just started an OnlyFans and it was so funny because she po- wrote this post about it. How she was kind of going through the same thing you were going through. And my first thought was, oh my God, she's going to be rich. <laughs> And I was like, how much money have you, she were, were good friends. And I was like, how much money have you made since you started this? She goes, I started it three hours ago and I made $575. I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. This is hilarious. Well, it's interesting the way our world is working now. And I mean, you can't share shit on Instagram. I can't breast, I don't have babies, but I can't breastfeed a baby and post a picture because it makes me disgusting. Please don't put that on yeah. OnlyFans though. That would attract That would be crowd. real weird. Yeah. Weird I fetish crowd. a photo completely covered in lingerie. Um, nothing, no nipples, nothing at all and twice it got removed mm-hmm. so it's just wild to me and then of course like the most explicit verified accounts uh, are allowed to proliferate but I think that there's definitely targeting among smaller accounts that are making more independent content because the mainstream porn narrative is going to persist uh, and it's really the in- independent and marginalized content creators that 
That, that I mean, that's how it is on most most outlets now. Like if you you can get away with things. I was actually hearing somebody talk about this the other day. It's like if you're a biologist and you say something uh, like men can't be women, right? Since you are a biologist, you can kind of play that card. But if someone else says that, they get banned. And it's like there is this yeah. weird like if you're established in a certain way, not not even to play that politics game, but just like that's a, a very easy phrase to point out there. Um, it's weird how the, how social media has like taken complete control, but then you have things like OnlyFans, which give you like, like this almost like kind of, I guess like pseudo fringe outlet where it's like, well, you know what here, we're just going to go here now. And this is what's going to yeah. happen. Cause you don't it's like, it's, it's this one thing about sexuality is like, you don't stop. The reason we're all here is cause people are fucking right. Like we've been fucking for a long time. This isn't going away and you're not <laughs> going to hide anybody from it, but it does scare me how much access kids have to porn. Yeah. Like I do think, and that's the same thing. I, I'm very pro marijuana. Like I'm pro like legalize all the fucking drugs. But I also know that I started smoking weed at 20. My brother started smoking weed at 12 and there is a very distinct difference on how those, that drug has impacted us. Right. Yeah. And the same thing. I that's think that's really interesting. Um, I think that like porn wouldn't be the problem that it is if we had comprehensive sex education that could say porn yes. is a fantasy. Porn doesn't show consent all the time. Porn is often, um, you know, a quote unquote idealized version that doesn't always respect women and, and their needs. And it's not really an accurate depiction of sex. It's when we rely on porn for sex education that I think the problem comes in and people think that this is how it's supposed to be. Uh, because if it was, you know, recognized as entertainment and glamorization isn't quite the right word, but it's certainly not an accurate depiction. Um, and then there was education around that. We, it would be a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I feel almost unqualified to talk about this because I don't watch, I just never really got into porn that much. But when I do go down the rabbit hole, what I end up trying to find is like hot couples and like a webcam or like really like really genuinely amateurs that are putting this out there. And it's like that. Is that because you want us to do that? No, I don't want us to do that at all. But it's like, at least it feels like it feels so performative to me. Like performative sex to me just doesn't really like, it just doesn't get, it doesn't move the needle at all. So for me, I, I get, I'm like, oh, this doesn't really do it for me. Like I can just use my imagination. I've been doing that since I was 12, like we're fine mm -hmm. here. But I think it, it should be almost like we have stigma around everything, right? We have stigma around drugs, psychedelics, sex. And if you, destigmatize that and treat it the same way, the same way that you would any other like MDMA, for example, like that's a drug. It can be dangerous, but you can also be responsible with it and giving, but expecting a 12 year old boy to be responsible with his iPhone and porn, like is, is not really like that's you're, you're asking him to do a lot there. And yeah. because over time, like you get a little bit desensitized to just sex, then it's like, okay, threesomes, which, okay, no big deal. It's a little progress. And then all of a sudden it's like gang bangs and choking and like choking somebody with your dick and watching a woman drink out of a dog bowl, which if you want like, kinks like that, like I, mean, that's I, I love all that, but I also know that it's like, I, it's an opt in. And like right. so many people think that it's not an opt in and exactly. then that's like the normal way that it goes. I get messages from women all the time that are like, my boyfriend jammed his dick down my throat and like, you know, is this normal? And I'm like, okay. I mean, it can be, but like, he didn't ask you if it was okay. Like it's normal for me after I've negotiated that with a partner and they know that I'm cool with it. But if I went home with somebody on a first date or multiple dates and they did that without running it by me, like, no, that's not okay. Yeah. That's if, like the more nuance. And if you've progressed to that point before you're even sexually active and that's your, your fantasies are at that level by the time you're 15, 16 years old, that does put you on a weird trajectory as far as like how to have healthy, intimate relationships because I think that stuff should be discovered like this. If that's an exploration piece, right to me, I'm like, 
in my perfect ideal world, like you discover you like that stuff and you're into it. And I'm not kink shaming anybody at all ever. Right. If you want to be a furry, like do, you know, dress up like a panda and fuck a giraffe. I don't care. You know what I mean? Do your thing. But if your if your sexual fantasies are to that extreme before you even like touched a pussy, then you may have some issues going down the road. So that's like the only thing I'm scared about with porn. But I think other than that, it's like to get after it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I think like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just going to ask you, I want to go back to the social media and posting sexy pictures. Cause this is something I'm actually grappling with right now. Did you put a nipple out there the other day? Yeah. We got that little nipple action. Um, <laughs> my tiny little titty nipple. Um, I, I go back and forth between, you know, as Connor calls them thirst traps. Right. So I want people to, you know, come at me with their hot girl comments, I guess. Versus I feel empowered in my body and sexually connected to myself for the first time ever. And I teach women how to do that. And I really want to embody that. Um, I'm curious how you feel about that when you're posting and what it brings up for you. Because for me, I'm not trying to attract men to tell me I'm hot. I'm really... um, showing my empowerment and the way I feel about my body and that sex is a positive thing. I feel that way 100%. And sometimes the way that I show up as my empowered self, other people think is a thirst trap um, intention. At the end of the day, nobody can know what someone's intention is when they post something. Um, I think that there's this stereotype and stigma that women that show their body on the internet are looking for attention and looking like looking for a certain response when that isn't necessarily the case. Like I could care less if, you know, I actually don't even necessarily like when a ton of men leave like fire emojis under my pictures. (laughs) What I honestly love is women that are like, wow, that lingerie is stunning. Where did you get it? Or like, Oh, this photo is like gorgeous. Like get it queen. Like that is what I'm like. Yes. Like we're feeling good in our bodies today. Like let's support each other. Um, but if somebody prescribes that as, you know, a thirst trap looking for attention, well, I'm definitely not doing it to be ignored. Yeah. <laughs> I am sharing this for a purpose, but, um, it's not the purpose that people write on to that experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't really say when I say thirst trap, I don't mean it in like a judgy way. Just okay, so we can clarify. I'm not backpedaling mm-hmm. at all. I, I, was, that's what I love a good thirst trap. Yeah, oh, me yeah, too. That's what somebody said. She was like somebody, I, I had posted a tweet about how like, yeah, something about thirst traps. And I was like, listen, I'm not shaming thirst traps. Like I'm, I'm here for all of them. Like bring it on body, like whatever kind of body you got, like put it out there, do your thing. I'm, I'm about it. But it was more like, don't deny that that's what yeah, you're don't, doing. Don't, exactly. And it's like, you're going to get the fire emojis and like the yes queens. And it's, it's like, do it, like get out there. I think body positivity is such an interesting, an interesting rabbit hole to go down because there is this, like, I think it's great. I think that the movement that we're in is going to age really well and it's going to open people up because a lot of people have bodies that are not. Um, that are not like the standard, what we would, uh, uh, like I would guess previously identify as like beautiful, but that doesn't really, and I've never, maybe I just haven't been, been that attracted to like stereotypical, like textbook beauty before. Like that, that was never really been my thing. So I've always been kind of like, you know, you got a big nose, like I'm kind of into that. Like, I don't know. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing, but I think it's great that people with like different styles of body and I don't, I don't want to condone I think a lot of times that gets like overlapped with like people being unhealthy. Like I would, I would, I would, it's, I think a healthy, like a healthy body weight type of thing. And that, that, that's different for a lot of people is important. I don't think you should be like, yeah, like, you know, being pre-diabetic at 17 is like not a healthy thing to do and maybe not something to be proud of. But if you're like 
a fit girl and you're putting it out there like dude that that's that's a bold move. it's a lot it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like that yeah. and i think that's going to change the way that we see people in the long term in a really powerful way yeah, I, I agree. I don't have like a ton of um, background in the body positivity movement because I still struggle with a lot of my own body positivity. So I honestly, um, I have been challenged to speak on that because uh, even though I'm sex positive and feel empowered in my sexuality, I struggle with self-criticisms around my body all the time. And I really admire everyone that can come forward and overcome that and all the societal shame and stigma that I'm sure that they get in comments. And I love following those accounts, but that's still a huge piece of the puzzle I have to unravel for myself and something that I've been nervous to touch because I think especially sharing my sexuality online my body is so wrapped up in that and I'm still so hard on myself. I think yeah, it's I have a, a lot of work to do. It's a myth. That's a, that's at the women only thing. I know there's like, there's not a lot of like body positivity for men going out. I guess maybe the dad bod movement did a little bit of that, but like I look back and I was a pretty competitive athlete up until like about 30 years old. And I was, I look back at my old like videos or photos and even then looking back and I was a lot bigger and more muscular and whatever. And, and I was like, even at that time, thinking back to myself, like I was not happy with myself. Like I was not happy with my body. I was not, ha and I was always ashamed to like take my shirt off in the gym or anything like that, which I had no, absolutely no reason to be. If anything, I had a reason to be very proud of what I'd put together on myself. And it was like, but even looking back, it's like, I was always, always, always ashamed of my body until, until I really got into mushrooms, honestly, and just kind of let that shit go. And now it's a little bit of a different thing, but I think everybody works, has to work through that. Mm -hmm. Like there's a level of acceptance there. That's really Interesting. And just depending on a lot of it's so much of it is genetic. I mean, of course you can outwork a lot of that, but damn, like if you got long legs, if you're like long, like Kelly, if you're six, one, you're six, one, like it is what it is. And there's, there's something to be said for that as well. Well, and I think, I mean, people are so judgmental of how dare a beautiful model have any body image issues or feel ugly at any time. And I'm like, yo, we are all fucking human. And we're all in these meat suits and we're all trying to do our best and feel, we all have bad days. We all have acne, like got to break out at some point. Like my boobs are lopsided and I have cellulite here and I'm going to feel bad about myself at some point. It doesn't matter if you're Gigi Hadid or someone else. It's, it's all the same. And I think that's where, especially as women, we think, oh, well, she's perfect. She has a bajillion dollars and anyone at her beck and call so she, how dare she feel bad? And I'm like, yeah, but she fucking puts her pants on just like you and I, she's going to feel those things. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I definitely recognize that the body that I have comes with many layers of privilege. So it's not even something that I would necessarily feel comfortable like bringing into the body positive conversation because like, I know that I'm not the most affected person around the body positive conversation, but we are all really battling these same forces um, in our own ways. Yeah, I think J Lo really did the most for the body positive, positive positivity Badass. movement. Yeah, can't yeah, she just she brought in the thick ass. She did. Thick ass was not a part of our culture until J Lo became a thing. We needed that. Yeah, and now it's like the thickness is a, is is a cultural icon. Yep, thick with two C's, right? <laughs> um, Lorray, one thing that came up for me during our somatic therapy was understanding fluidity when it comes to sexuality. And I also didn't know that was a thing until then, and so my mind was blown and. I um, came out as bisexual earlier this year and started talking about my sexual attraction to women and what that felt like for me. Um, and our therapists were explaining that there's just a spectrum and there's a fluidity and that most women are attracted to other women. It just depends on, you know, how far that goes for you. 
What's your perspective on that? Oh my gosh, I agree completely. And it's changed so much throughout my life. Um, I grew up thinking that I was interested in women, but I didn't understand what bisexuality was or that I could be attracted to women. I thought that I had to just pick a side and I was like, well, I guess that I like men more. And then recently as well, within the last like two years, I've started to explore that piece of myself and, um, noticing even like beyond gender, it's like certain power dynamics or personality quirks that I'm attracted to or certain facial features, even if like regardless of, of gender. And then where does that necessarily fall on the spectrum? It's not firmly bisexual. It's more like related to a personality or a vibe or I don't know the way that somebody carries themselves. And then that's completely like off of the continuum. Mm -hmm. I think for me too, as I explored that more, I started to realize that the more I was with women, the more I was acknowledging them and appreciating them. It was almost like they were a mirror for me to see within myself, especially that feminine energy that I had never really acknowledged. And I felt like every time, you know, we've been with a woman or I've been alone, I had this aha moment of seeing myself in a new way. It was like they were giving me access to myself. And I feel like that, you know, when you get into the spiritual world, all that feminine energy connected, that's just almost like a portal for me into myself. I love that you said that because I felt that way too. And I never really had the words for it. It almost feels like this like goddess energy that mm -hmm. kind of like rises and it's like an electricity. Yeah. It does kind of feel like a portal. That's so interesting that you say that. I would love to hear more about your experiences with that. Cause that's something I'm still contextualizing for myself. Yeah, it was. I want to share this one Please. thing. Though. Yeah, when we had we had been with a, remember who I don't remember everybody's fake names, but we were with someone. I don't know. Was it Joan? Probably. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was afterwards, and you came downstairs, oh, yeah. and you were like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize how much I needed that." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." And then even the other day, you were all stressed out and like bound up about something, and I was like, "I think you need to be with a woman." Like, I'm not I'm not solving this problem with my dick. That's for sure. So it's like, and it was, but it was also. I think you just needed like feminine acknowledgement and a feminine experience and in this, you know, this goddess type portal that you're talking about, which I don't necessarily understand. I don't think that I'll have the context to understand at any point in my life, but I can kind of sense when you are getting to that place now. Yeah, it's weird because now that I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's like now that I've had it, I can't go back. And now yeah. it's something that I know it fills me in a way that he can't because he just doesn't have feminine energy like that. And there's a time when I need to be fucked and I'm like, Connor, bring it on. Like, let's go. <laughs> and then now that I have been held and acknowledged and seen by a woman, I understand what that feels like. And I think especially for me, I don't know if you had this experience, but growing up, I was bullied by girls and I just struggled to fit in and I never felt like I was good enough and I didn't feel understood. And so now to be with a woman in that way, it's so far beyond just the sexual experience. It's, it's a sense of feeling okay and like yeah. I belong and that there's nothing wrong with me and that I'm just truly being held. Totally. I feel that way entirely. I feel like there's so much um, manufactured competition between women in our culture. And I grew up the same way, feeling really bullied and outside of some of those circles and then exploring relationships and connections with women. It almost feels like lowering the veil and being like, no, there is this community. There's this like sisterhood and it goes beyond kind of what our culture says women's relationships should be that we almost have this, um, and like an ancestral kind of bond with each other. And like, 
this, this wisdom that comes through in those connections. Yeah. And I think there was this one point that it really stands out to me right now. And Connor and I had talked about this early on when we started inviting people in of almost um, giving them experiences and allowing and, you know, not allowing, but opening up a space for pleasure for someone that they may not have necessarily had. And I remember this one instance where Connor was holding this girl and um, I was touching her and it was so beautiful. And she afterwards said, I felt so beautiful and so held. And I was like, wow, this is, it's so far beyond just a hookup. It's so, there's so much more intention behind it and that energy. And I think that for women, especially that being held thing is such a big deal. Feeling safe, feeling beautiful, feeling taken care of. So many people, especially, you know, with all the apps now, it's just like sex is so readily available and it's in and out and goodbye. And to bring that intention forward and to really hold someone in that way is such a different experience that most people have never had access to. Yeah, I think that that's a really um, powerful way to model threesomes and group contexts in general, because sometimes when I'm on those apps, you can kind of see couples that are almost looking to get a, a woman in there as like a prop to their fantasy yeah. or that they're really looking to fulfill something with them without caring about the other person's needs. And I think it's super important to model and be mindful that this person has their own unique needs and desires. They're not just like a prop for your fantasy. Well, that's something we talked about very early on. Cause that's, that's something I had thought about because I knew this was going to be a, I, I really, when I kind of took my time, like a couple of years to just to be single and to date around and do d- different things and explore what kind of what I really wanted. Um, I knew that I was, I wanted to be with a woman who liked other women, right? Like that was something that was very important to me, but I also grew to understand like you can still, as a couple, you can objectify someone just like a dude can objectify someone. So Kelly was really adamant about these certain boundaries and I had to kind of open it up and said, Hey, like, if you like make this girl leave right after that's just like you coming to fuck some guy and him like kicking out of your apartment. Like it's really, you got to be respectful of their experience as well. And, and I don't think you're ready to do this unless you're ready to be respectful of the other person's experience and, and treat them like a person, not a prop. I think that's, that's something that people don't think about that often. Absolutely. And I think that that's a boundary, even for some couples, it's like, we are the emotional connection and this person's just a sexual connection. So it has that sense of, we don't need to, or shouldn't foster, you know, the, in advance dates and the snuggling and the aftercare or texting, even after the experience is over. And it's like, to me, that's all part of being held. Not that I want to have an emotional committed relationship with them, but that chemistry and feeling like these people actually care about me. Yeah. I think the one thing we've done really well is the last few people we've been with, I've gone out with them by myself on walks before um, and talked through everything. And it's like a sisterhood bond. I'm like, here's the deal. This is what I'm into. These are my needs and my desires. And then she shares hers with me. And so we both really get each other. And I think establishing that connection, you know, for I always say the biggest thing for me is to feel safe and not feel like someone's coming in to try and take my boyfriend. And then she'll say, Oh, I feel the same way. I really want to feel safe. I don't want to feel like I'm going to be used. And I'm like, this is amazing because we're so on the same page before we ever enter into something. And then once it happens, you know, usually I'm texting them the next day, checking on them, making sure they're feeling good. Um, and I think that you're right. It's so important to establish and then sort of wrap it up with like a bow after to make sure that everyone feels good about the experience. 
Yeah. And that's a really great point that it helps to alleviate your fears. Cause I think even with threesomes, there's a sense of that it's like for the guys enjoyment and pleasure. And then these two women are like an object of that as well. And having that connection in advance and after is like, no, this is about us. He's a privilege to witness. Yes. <laughs> you are privileged. I know. She I know. said very, it, not very, me. Very, very, yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to circle back to something you said though, about competition, uh, competition amongst women. And I'm curious, you know, as soon as you said that, I started thinking about the time when like, I would say early feminism movement, late eighties through the nineties, when women were wearing shoulder pads and like trying to be more like men kind of like the, the way to equality was to be, let's just be more like men and men thrive in competition. I can be competitive with my friends and that's like just part of our relationship. And I'm curious if, if there was a time where that kind of got adopted by women as the way to be with each other, even though generally speaking, and, and you know, there's a masculine feminine spectrum there, of course, but generally speaking, women aren't nearly as prone to, to competition at the levels that men kind of are. And I wonder if there's something to that as far as how that's been developed in our society specifically to be like, well, let's be more like men. This is how men operate. We'll be like that. And it's kind of a, a, a diversion from the honest fem feminine. What that brings up for me is I'm, I'm actually currently reading how to be an anti-racist and it talks a lot about assimilation culture and how that's part of racism. And that reminds me so much of it is it's like trying to make women more like men and to like assimilate into this culture rather than being like women have their own unique strengths. And of course, like this is generalizations. Everybody exists on a spectrum and, you know, masculine and feminine energies, any gender can hold on to them. And it's accepting those differences and understanding the beauty in both and and that um, there's wisdom in both and that you really need the mixing of both to have uh, that, that cohesiveness. Yeah. I think it is interesting too, because I think for the feminine energy and the masculine energy, people get confused because they think that you're only supposed to have one. And there is a, a melding of both for everyone. You know, you Connor have masculine and feminine energy, and there's a way to navigate and use both when it's the right time. Um, and I think women, we get scared that we're being too masculine and we're not being feminine enough or vice versa. And there's something wrong with us. And it's just what feels right for you. And it's a spectrum, like you said, and just feeling into what feels right for me at this time. And then knowing that maybe tomorrow I want to lean more into that feminine energy because that's what's serving me. Oh, totally. I feel that way so much in my business for years. I ran it through a very masculine lens where I was like, I'm showing up this much a day and these are my tasks and, you know, all checkbooks and lists. And, um, it worked. I was able to launch my business, but I wasn't deeply happy. And now being able to step back and be like, why do I feel the need to work eight to 12 hours a day? Like, for so long or that on the first day of my moon cycle that I can't just relax and take off or reschedule my appointments. Why does it need to be so strict and allowing myself more pleasure and flow and ease? Uh, it's just been radically changing for myself and for my business. I want to know about these sex parties that you're hosting. Ah, amazing. Yes. I love hosting them. So every Saturday, um, I host these parties that are on, um, a virtual platform where we can all kind of hang out and, um, we have different performances ranging from 
burlesque performances and strip teases to live group and erotic shows um, without like giving too much away, but they do get really spicy. But the coolest thing is meeting this sex positive community from around the world that comes and shares a similar vibe and ethos and then turning it on to us to play games like truth or dare and start to connect with one another. And eventually as the night goes on, seeing everyone playing themselves from their own homes. And it's been really cool because I've met um, potential partners that I now flirt with couples and singles that, you know, now we're connected on social media and we're like, oh, I can't wait until things reopen to see you, you know, <laughs> and go out and play. And it's just so cool to be able to nurture that community. And for someone that's never been to a sex party before, or maybe that's in a couple and um, has thought about having threesomes or group experiences and hasn't gone there yet. It's such a great way to meet people and kind of dip your toes in without having to physically show up. Truth or dare is the most underrated erotic game of all time. Cause I mean, that's what, even, even, <laughs> even when you were like a teenager and you were playing truth or dare, like it always went sexual. Always. It always got sexual. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You are incredible. And we both just adore you and, and really appreciate all the work that you're doing. I think you, I know you have helped so many people. You've helped me so much and we're just really impressed and just grateful for but you. Before we get thank out of you. here though, we've got to let her know how you found her. You remember? No. So I was sitting on the couch scrolling through Instagram and it was like a photo of you. You may have even been in laundry, like with a, with a sex toy of some kind. And Kelly, like, was, I guess, peeping my phone, invading my personal space, <laughs> and was like, who the fuck is that? And I was like, it's a slutty girl problem. It's like, do you not, do you not follow this person? Like, I've been I following her for years. This. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. I love it. So I was jealous of you, and now I love you. That's pretty much, that's usually how it goes for me, so... I'm honored. Well, I'm so I was just, I was baffled. I was baffled that you didn't know who she was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you for the introduction. No problem. Thank you for... Okay. Staring at her beauty so that I could get to know her. That's, that's what I do. Babe. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I'm really what, grateful what to have you, met you guys. Oh, of course. What are you, uh, what are you working on now? What do you have uh, that you've uh, put out into the world? Yeah. So everyone listening can go to my website, lorejo.com and get my free ebook on sex magic and sensual self-care. It's a practice that I've been doing for years. And then I realized that this would be some really helpful tools, especially now as people are trying to dive into personal growth and get some self-soothing tools to expand that. So it's a free ebook right on my site. And if you haven't touched sex magic yet, it is life-changing. So highly recommend it. All right. We got the JK rolling of sex magic over here. Sweet. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll link all that stuff in the show notes and thank you so much for hanging out. This has been really fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This show is brought to you by soul fire productions.